0: Lassel. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. <laughs> we are now beginning our final descent. And we wish to thank you for flying Shamata Airlines. <laughs> we know that there are many other airlines like Tantric Sex Airlines, <laughs> Primal Scream Airlines, that could be fine. We very much appreciate your flying. With the boring <laughs> Shamata Airlines. <laughs> So we are beginning our final descent. I encourage you to sit down, last your seatbelts. In the <laughs> unlikely event that, <laughs> that we crash <laughs> upon descent, you first of all have our sincere apologies. <laughs> we hate it when it happens. And we will notify you next again. <laughs> In the unlikely event that you survive the crash, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> Dharma books will fall from the <laughs> And we encourage you to read them in practice first, before you pass them on to others. Oh, yeah. So that was rehearsed, you could tell. But I enjoyed it. (laughs) In my meditation, this just before coming, I was just cracking up, I am again. I'm easily pleased, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. So we clearly are beginning our final set now. The silence is over. And on a little bit more serious note, we can draw an analogy, I think maybe not be be completely ridiculous, in the larger Buddhist worldview, specifically the Mahayana Buddhist worldview. And that is, as you probably know, there are said to be six realms of existence. The highest is the deva realm, of which there's desire realm, formless realm. But in the desire realm, devas, where they live, oh, by all accounts, it's enormously pleasant. Uh, just very, very nice in terms of hedonic pleasure. Uh, incredible food. Like all the hotels are six star, and all the chefs are what three stars at the highest it gets. You know, but really fantastic food. And I'm sure they must have white sand beaches, and plenty of and plenty of sunshine, and beautiful nature. And everybody is just exquisitely beautiful. They're male and female, and they're just incredibly attractive. Um. And so those are deva realms, and it's said in, and that's accepted in all schools of Buddhism. And then in the Mahayana schools, it's said that while well, you have these deva realms, such as the, the desire realm, desire deva realm, Tushita, there's a desire realm, Tushita, you know, very pleasant place. That's where Buddha visited his mother, you might recall, right? That was a, simply a desire realm, deva realm, yeah. But it's said now in the Mahayana that the deva realm of Tushita, Simply in the desire, in the desire realm. That this is, has a relationship with the pure land of Tushita, which is the pure land where the next Buddha, Maitreya, is dwelling. And that's not just the Deva realm, that's a pure land. That's a place to go receive teachings from Maitreya, to receive blessings, to be in the midst of other, and great, great teachers from the past who are there and giving teachings and so forth. So the pure land of Tushita is not, it's, it's certainly very pleasant, but it's really all about Dharma. And it's a place to gain profound realization. And then, when you feel the time is ripe, having received teachings, realized bodhicitta, gained profound realization, uh, even if you've not fully realized enlightenment, there may come a time, at, 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 come a time at which you, perhaps in a dialogue with Maitreya, or who knows, one of the other great masters there, may feel, okay, I'm not finished yet, I'm not perfectly enlightened yet, but by the power of compassion, by the power of compassion, it's time for me to leave here because I think I can do more more good in the world by leaving this pure land and coming back to human realm and trying to be ready of service. But now, having kind of been supercharged by my experience here in this pure land. okay. So, now this is classic. This is classic Mahayana teachings on the pure lands or the Buddha fields. And it said the relationship between the two is like a village and then the nearby monastery, maybe a kilometer away and the Dermite monastery being the pure land of Dushita, and the very pleasant village being just the Deva realm of Dushita. So that's all classic, classic teachings. obviously, there has to be some metaphor there, but that's kind of the sense of it, that the simple Deva realm is really all about hedonic pleasure, and they just, it's fantastic, I mean, really tops. And, and, it's said that when your, when your funds run out, basically, that is the karma, the very virtuous karma that propelled you to take such a rebirth in a deva realm. Well, it's finite. So you may live there for hundreds of years, thousands of years, who knows how long, but sooner or later, the funds run out. You know, the karma is simply exhausted. And it said, now this is again classic teachings, it said, when you're coming now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're beginning the final descent, when you are coming to the very end of your days as a deva in such a realm, it said that The flowers in your hair, you know, the ornaments and so forth, they start to fade. And you see that. You see that, oh, I mean, that's a really clear, dead giveaway, that you're about to leave this realm. And you see it, and they say the mental anguish when you see this, this whole life, which is so incredibly satisfying, is now going to come to an end. And frankly, you have no idea where you're going to, because that's just your next karma, going to kick you out someplace else. He said, "The mental grief is like that of the hell realm. It's just so painful." Right? And then the other devas in, you know, the other devas in that in that realm, seeing your flowers starting to fade, then they start getting creeped out. You know, because they know this is coming for them. So they kind of like, "Oh, she's one of the faded flower people. <laughs> There's a way she's going to disappear. She's going to go any day now, and she'll be out of here." And so it gets kind of gives them the creeps as well. So you might become a little bit of a pariah. At the end of your days as a deva realm it's so it goes very very well until finally you face the music that this is finite and you can go from it's not necessarily going to some terrible realm after that but it's probably not going to be any better probably going to be a little bit worse so that's the departure from from a deva realm and you see what a trim, utter difference radical difference is being born by the power of prayers by the power of dedication by the blessings of Maitreya. To be born in the pure land of Tushita, where you're there, and it's all about the cultivation of genuine happiness, right? right? practicing dharma, gaining realization, cultivating from inside. And why do you leave? Not because your karma ran out. You leave out of the power of compassion. And so, one can imagine in that regard, there would be something of a celebration, you know, among the other beings in that pure land. hey. Mark's heading out and he's, you know, he's now really at Bodhicitta, got some deep realization of emptiness, he's got his six, six perfections really under the way, and he's got this strong fortitude, this strength of heart, this compassion, he's going to go back and take birth in Germany. They could use one more Bodhisattva there, you know? And so you can imagine then all the other devas saying, way to go, Mark, happy trails, happy sailing, we're with you, we'll send you our prayers, mm, don't knock them dead, but you know, hope them out. Like that, And so it would be really a celebration. There's no sorrow anywhere, because it's all involuntary, and the departure is out of compassion, and, and not for any other reason. In stark contrast to the Deva realm, where it's just all misery. They're going to miss you, you're going to miss them, and you don't know where you're going. Right? And you're not leaving because you want to. You just want to stay here forever. So, that's classic Buddhism. Classic Buddhist teachings. It's not too much of a stretch to think that the nearby village to our little Faint facsimile of a pure land here. Which The reason people come here is practice Dharma. Not to earn more money or get a better education or have better sex or anything else. I mean, really, there's only one reason we have the Mind Center. People come here to learn Dharma. It's, it's really simple, right? It's all about eudaimonic well-being. And that's true for the CEB teacher training as well. That's not about getting more hedonic pleasure. It's tough. It's a very challenging five-week program. And these eight weeks? Now you don't need any commentary, you know what the eight weeks is like. And so this is all about practicing dharma. Of course it's only a facsimile, there's no Buddha here, I'm just an ordinary guy. But it's a beautiful environment, very, very conducive, so this is our little facsimile. And then just over yonder, along the stones away, there's the place for the beautiful people. You know, the sports and leisure club. (laughs) That's for the beautiful people. We drop in. I don't even show because I don't want them to see my body. They're going to look at me and say, you don't belong here. Oh, just keep on walking. Up and down, that's fine. And keep your clothes on. So I don't put them in the position where they want to tell me that. I just walk up and down with my clothes on and nobody minds. But I'm sure if I went over there to the swimming pools and the gyms, I mean, I've seen them biking in there. Man, they're, they're buff. They're looking good. Right? And they want to look better. And moreover, in that kind of really nice deva realm of the Sports and Leisure Club, if they can, you know, get some dharma to help them run a little bit faster, or be more supple, have greater emotional balance when they're playing tennis, win more matches, they'll like that. And in fact, in the deva realms, there's a bit of dharma. I mean, the Buddha went up to teach his mom in the deva realm, because there is, there is deva up there. But there is dharma up there in the you know, the deva realms. But it's kind of hard for them to get really serious. Because things are going so well without dharma. That the dharma... And in the words, I thought of, the, of one of my favorite quotes from a Western philosopher, Alfred North Whitehead, quite an outstanding mathematician, physicist, and philosopher of the early part of the 20th century, late 19th century. He wrote a remarkable book on science in the modern world. And he, and he referred to religion, and he said religion has become, this was in 1926 or so, he said religion has become an ornament for an already comfortable life. And so, as Kim well knows, yoga can be an ornament for an already comfortable life. I really enjoy my life just as it is, make me a little bit more limber, uh, trim off the tummy fat, you know, make me stretch, and make me look good, you know? I'm sure it happens, right? And does it happen in meditation? Do people come to various types of meditation? Because they like an ornament. Make make samsara a bit softer. Make it a bit more comfortable. But don't rub against my worldview. That kind of pisses me off. And don't ask me to change my values or my diet or my lifestyle. But, you know, give me something to make me feel a bit more comfortable with samsara. And so, whether it's there or Introducing mindfulness and so forth, so your children can do better in, in their scores, their tests, have better deportment, get into better universities, be overall happier with their education. So it could my words about the sports facility and education could sound deprecating, and I don't mean that. It's not that I don't mean that. I've devoted many, many hours—I don't know how many hours—to developing and, and disseminating this, cultivating emotional balance with Paul Ekman, Eve Ekman, with a full blessing in support of His Holiness. And that's exactly designed to take some core meditative practices from Buddhism, bring this out into the world, into the business world, into education, into sports and so forth, and with a full blessing in support of His Holiness. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing, and I'll do it again. And I'm not expecting people who receive the the CEB, the 42-hour training, or the five-week intensive teacher training, that they're going to some suddenly develop enormous renunciation and devote their life to Dharma, uh, I would be very gratified if, they're, if the Dharma, whatever we can share with them, enriches their lives, brings them less suffering and greater happiness and satisfaction. And if that's in the business world, the athletics, education, and so forth, it's a good thing. As the Dalai Lama was once asked about this generally, he said, the whole point of the Buddha Dharma is to alleviate suffering. So if you can use any method of Buddha Dharma to alleviate anyone's suffering, that's a good thing. So, but it is a little bit like a deva rum over there. The food is so yummy. I really like the divine. It's just divine. It's just deva-ish, isn't it? Yeah. And the school is marvelous. And I think it just, and the children seem very happy and I think they'll become happier. It'll get better and better. So Dharma here serves the education. Dharma here serves the sports and leisure club, physical health, mental resilience and so forth. And all of this is a good thing. But I can imagine if I came here, if I were to come here to spend two weeks in the Sports and Leisure Club, or well, maybe with a little bit of yoga, maybe a bit of samatha, just a little bit, you know, enough. But just enjoying, enjoying the food and going out to the beach and then exercising and swimming, doing some bike riding, two weeks just in the Sports and Leisure Club. And that's what it was all about. I can imagine the end of the two weeks, especially if I lived in a place like, I don't know, I won't give an example, you know, someplace really not Phuket. Um, you know, and it's winter. Norway, gorgeous country, Mongolia, Detroit, Newark, New Jersey, North Dakota. The list goes on and on and on, you know. And thinking, Oh, that was incredible two weeks, worth every dollar. The food was fantastic, I met so many new people, I got whole bunch of new addresses and telephone numbers uh, and I'm looking better and the tan is fantastic <laughs> uh, and I need to go home and work and leave here and all the friendship I made here parting. and then when people see you're about to part so, oh you're leaving <laughs> <laughs> I see the flowers wilting in your head <laughs> We won't ask you to bike ride two days from now because you'll be gone. But we will enjoy it. We'll think of you. Not much, but we will think of you. (laughs) We probably won't, frankly. I just said that to make you happy. So, that's the difference between coming to a place to practice Dharma in a conducive environment and coming to a place to receive hedonic pleasure. When it's over, one is a cause of sadness, the other one, if we're leaving here with, with the motivation to be of service, to enrich our practice, to integrate fully whatever dharma we've learned into our daily life, into retreat, to offer our best to those whom we'll greet and be with when we come home, uh, manifest to the best of our ability the four measurables, bring a sense of composure, of peace of mind, of centeredness and clarity to every situation that comes up. If we're anticipating that with a sense of compassion for ourselves, love and affection for all those it will go back to. And there's no cause for sadness leaving here. Right? But rather, that's the culmination. We're here in order to come out, not here to stay here. Right? And they're coming out with that motivation, cause of celebration. Celebration. So having said that, of course, things are never black and white. It's not just hedonic over there. It's not just eudaimonic here. It's always blending, blending, and so I know it's true that friendships have been formed here, and that's one of the great bounties of our coming together. That we're not just here, as I said at the very beginning, we're not just here for thirty-six or thirty-eight individual retreats. Everybody just hunkering down, no eye contact, you know, just seeing each other's feet. You know, uh, so one can do a retreat like that. I could have asked you to do that, you know, total silence and don't see anything above the ankles. You know. <laughs> And then, you know, when you leave, by ankle, by ankle, (laughs) by ankle. I don't recognize that, you know. It could have been a very different retreat, but of course that was not the idea. It was the idea of a balance. That we're here as a community, and we're here for 36, 38, let's say 38, individual retreats in our own individual rooms, right? So there was a balance. And so as we anticipate parting, then friends will be parting. And it's one of those tough truths One friend of mine said it's like getting kicked in the nuts. (laughs) It's one of the tough truths that when we form friendships and then we have to part, oh, it hurts. But when it's among spiritual friends, then we have been meditating on, directly or indirectly, meditating on impermanence all the way along, every time I get up here, dead man talking. You know, for a little while I'm a Dharma teacher. And I'm not a Dharma teacher anymore. I'm toast. Finished. Also, I mean, His Holiness gave me that advice, you know, just think of gratitude in terms of developing any kind of sense of, oh, I'm so special, I'm somebody superior. Oh, I'll have you do, that. there's a real simple, simple, really tough way to deal with that one too. Just, I'm going to be dead soon. How proud are you going to be then? You know, you're going to be dead. Gone. Finito. How Proud of you, man, dead man. People are already forgetting you. <laughs> bye, bye. Not very proud. You're gone. Right. So, when it's among Dharma, friends, friends, bonds of friendship form, of course, this is not a termination. It's just a shifting of the nature of the friendship. So, happily, this is where we don't have to be clairvoyant. If we were a hundred years ago, you'd have to be clairvoyant to keep in touch with each other. You know, beep, 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 beep. But now, I don't need to tell you. We have all these ways of keeping in touch, including Skype and other things like that. Free, can you see each other? That's the only reason I have a marriage still. If I didn't have Skype, I don't know what I would have done for the last couple of years. You know, at least I can you know see my wife pretty frequently. So, so in terms of our community here, friendships form. Hopefully, they will linger. They will even become richer as we develop, drawing fully on modern technology, sustaining these meaningful friendships. Very possibly seeing each other again. I know at least some of you have also formed friendships with people who will not be leaving with us, people in this community here in the Tanyapura, the surrounding community. And it's hard. There's no question about it. Attachment to those who are near, aversion to those who are far. And the Buddha said, wherever there's meeting, there's parting. Where there's, wherever there's birth, there's death. But the suffering doesn't come from the parting, the suffering comes from attachment. So when we are parting from people for whom maybe they don't have internet, they don't have Skype, they don't have, they, you know, not everybody has that privilege. It costs money to get internet access and so forth. Then all we can do is offer our very best in friendship, and compassion, kindness. Show our expression, express our affection, our love, our compassion for others. And that doesn't need to stop here. So then you use your ingenuity. How can I maintain, how can I show that this was a meaningful relationship for me, even though I need to part, I can't stay here for the time being. How can I express that? So they will know this person here has touched my heart and I've touched your heart. And this is not casual. It was not utilitarian. It was from the heart to the heart, human being to human being. Then think, how can you express that? And perhaps even after leaving here, perhaps just a letter now and then, a small gift now and then, just let them know that this was two-way. This wasn't just a tourist dropping in. This is a human being meeting a human being in friendship. So, time for creativity. as much as we can, move out the self-centered attachment and create kind of a vacuum there. Suck out the self-centered attachment and then just fill it with loving kindness and compassion, held with equanimity. So, something like that. Let's practice. So, I've asked Kun, Kun, men, uh, kun oh, I'm forgetting, Kun room. I've asked Kun Rung uh, to open up the wireless internet. I, I think a number of you have all various types of communication you need to do, so that should be available today. Okay, for the rest of the time here. And I wish you a happy day. See you later.